this retro thing for what it is Nostalgia goggles heavy on those things when we were kids I've got the memories of falling while my hair is turning gray I'm digging back on all the things that were better yesterday So for all those things nostalgic I also do is delight Hello and welcome to episode, I just realized this is episode 251, which is interesting because 250 hasn't gone live yet. So it's weird to think about being on the other side of that because it's not done. So right you now, ahead? I am. Isn't that amazing? Fist, fist pump, bump, something. It hasn't fallen apart yet. It's so incredible. It will. But right now, it's going to be so fantastic to be able to have two episodes banked instead of, hey, an episode has to go live in 12 hours and my recording partner's toilet flooded his house. <laughs> and apparently he thinks that's a priority over talking about a movie. So, But then we got we did get some good Burger King discourse out of it. So. We did. <laughs> yep. I would like to agree with your wife that it's too salty. OK, I'll move. I'll move on. from that. Wrong. We're kicking today's episode off with a very incorrect opinion. And if anyone listening doesn't recognize that voice, I don't know what to tell you, because you should. Laurel Hightower is back on the show. It'd be funny if we never identified me, if you just left it at that. Like I never say my name, if you notice. I never say, like, I'm your host or anything. Never. Well, I think at this point, yeah. People say it to me. Yeah. I just never do it. But we have a newcomer today. Some new blood on the show. Uh, I'll just pass it over if you want to introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Patrick Tumblety. Um, I'm a horror writer of uh, poetry, fiction, science fiction, a little bit of everything. And I also host a audio show every October called The October Children. And it releases uh, annually uh, just to celebrate the season. And other than that, I have a degree in film, so I love talking about bad 90s movies. So thank you so much for having me. I was as soon as you said that when we were chatting, I was so happy because as far as I know, unless someone else is keeping a very tight secret, we haven't had anyone else on the show with a film degree. And I love that there's nothing more on brand for what we do here than to bring someone in with a film degree and make them talk about 1992's <laughs> Dr. Giggles. <laughs> Well, I, I never actually uh, am embarrassed about loving terrible 90s films. Like, that's what I grew up on. So even in film school, you had people who loved, you know, the classics, like the Scorsese's and the Kubrick's. And I'm like, give me the people under the stairs any day. That's <laughs> or, a good or, pick. Yeah, any, of the, any of those. And I'm, I'm excited about it. So I was even I, just I, thinking I, about I, other doctor movies we could have discussed with a film like Dr. Strangelove, Dr. Shivago. Dr. Shivago. Uh, actually, the first thing that actually came to mind uh, with Dr. Giggles was The Dentist, which also came out around the same time, which is which, also terrible. But yeah, is when that we how were... we got into this conversation to begin with? Yeah, Sean, we, I feel we, like... you tweeted about it and there was lots of like, I remember that. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of The Dentist. Well, because I had a conversation with my dentist about Dr. Giggles and I was thinking it was a dental horror movie, but I'm not disappointed with how this turned out at all. I, I would hope not. The dentist no. actually, weirdly enough, also because 
everyone knows you can track our episode topics usually by did that movie just get a blu-ray release dr giggles did but weirdly <laughs> enough so did the dentist movies so i've watched them both fairly recently that's kind but of kismet right there the 90s yep. yeah really went full tilt on the medicine horror angle yeah, if you had a phd it wasn't safe no nope. <laughs> uh before we move too much oh in, into the movie i want to know more about that october children thing you just mentioned because that sounds intriguing Oh, um, yeah. So every year starting in 2019, I release a about four or five episode uh, audio series of short stories, poetry, sound design, um, just little like eight minute episodes um, every week leading up to the holiday. So whatever it happens to be, if it's on a Tuesday, I'll release every Tuesday until Halloween. And yeah, it's uh, mostly... Um, my work, uh, my short stories and poetry. Uh, this year, we had an incredible guest writer on named Laurel Hightower. She, don't know her. Uh, I unfamiliar know. Yeah, with her work. No I, I don't think people, people might not no know her. No. Uh, but she allowed me to convert one of her stories uh, for one of the episodes. And I loved how it turned out. I love the story. Um, I, I, also, really, I really liked how it turned out. I loved I'm it. so glad. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad because that was I, such a great story um and uh yeah so basically it's uh kind of my way of celebrating the season uh just by putting these together getting voice actors getting music made and just kind of uh being kind of creepy but like also kind of family friendly as well uh just to celebrate the holiday that sounds awesome and i'm 100 percent gonna check that out and I, as always if anyone wants to go into the show notes for this episode you'll find links so i mean i can obviously put a link to that show um, I can put a link to some of the places people can also find your work. Um, I know both parties here involved in the dead inside. Yeah, that uh, was actually my, my last big release. And uh, I, you all know Laurel's history with that. Um, but I love that, that book. I love my story uh, that I put in it. It was actually one of my favorites. So I'm happy it was chosen. Uh, but everybody in that book is fantastic. And I highly recommend that to everybody because it, yeah. it just came out amazing. It's a fantastic collection. And before this episode, I went back because I'd read the book last year. I actually was going to hold it up to prove I'm not a liar, but it's all the way over there. That's too but much it, work. But it we does exist. Work. Trust me. Uh, and I went back to to check out. I was like, okay, I'm going to go back. And it's like got one. It's the story's called Bait and Tackle. And I got about one paragraph in. And I was like, oh, it's this one. This is a <laughs> good one. Oh, well, thank I don't want to say too much about what it's about because it's, you know, pretty short story. And if I say anything, it's kind of a kind of a spoiler but really action really action packed like 15 to 20 pages with lots of little like like oh shit moments so i'm glad you like it thank you just go buy that book and laurel edited it i don't honestly sorry laurel i don't remember if you have a story in it no i don't know okay. i just edited it along with sandra yeah someone else okay yeah sandra Rutan. yes thank you again the book is way over there that should is be able, i should be able to reference it that i have pronounced her last name correctly I actually didn't know until you said it. I kept, well, like I kept wanting to make sure that I was crediting her when I went on podcasts and stuff to talk about it. And like, eventually she was like, it's, um, it's not that. And I like, she was very circumspect about it. She's like, it's okay. So it's this. And I'm like, oh. and then I like, every time I went to pronounce it after that, I was like, okay, make sure it's this. And I did it the opposite way. And I swear it's not intentional. In fact, I may have just done it again. I don't know. We'll see. It's not guess, out of intent. Yeah. We'll find out, but. Intentions were good. 
I tried. Sorry. Laura, you have a new book coming out too, if you want to. Oh, right. Um, I'll probably bring you back when it comes out because it's tradition, but. It is. We'll have to come up with a movie for that. I think there's going to be a lot of options, but um, so yeah, Silent Key is my second novel. It is coming out through Flame Tree Press on uh, October the 10th. It is um, ghosts and romance and horrible ways to die and some um, underwater general creepiness because water's scary as hell. Yes. Oh my God. I th- there is one, two reoccurring stances we take on this show. One is very pro physical media and two is fuck water. Yeah. Not just no. I actually just had a conversation about that last night with somebody about going in the ocean. Cause uh, I used to scuba dive all the time and the older I got the, the worse. And now it's, I can't look at a body of water without just like actually having a phobia of it. So. It's a smart move because there's objectively something down there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, like, it will touch you. A hundred percent. Probably at least 30% of it is dead bodies. That 30% even seems like an underestimate. It does seem like an underestimate because I just assume that most bodies of water are over a former graveyard from which the bodies were not removed poltergeist style. And they're just, I just don't want to be the one that sets it off. Like it's fine. I'm sure some party boat of kids is going to be the one to do it. Like not the middle-aged suburban mom who's like skirting the edges and like, won't even look at it. I'm probably safe, but I'm not, I'm not going to test that. It's like, See, for, you, Oh, sorry. You go ahead. No, yeah. Uh, so for me, it, it's the, uh, the Lovecraftian side of things, the whole oh, looking God. into the, looking into the abyss and just seeing eyes staring back at you and, the, the insurmountable kind of dark mall kind of thing. The fisherman. You know, the, yeah. You've read Langan's Fisherman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. So yeah. it's that whole idea of just, you know, that symbolization of like, I don't know what's down here. And I'm sure that it could swallow me whole. So just like life. Thank you. You've made that work <laughs> for me. I appreciate you enhancing that fear. That was the previously unexplored element of it. Wow. But now, yeah, I'll never forget. All right, you know, honestly, as a horror writer, I'm very happy. I know, that's what I do. <laughs> it's that my childhood thing of that weird you're in a tiny boat and you see a giant shadow move underneath. And oh, I forgot because yes. I recently played the Resident Evil 4 remake, and right before there's a boss fight, I was like, Yeah, I was like, Oh, that's maybe where this came from. Oh. I'd forgotten about this. Oh, it's yeah. like it's like if you there's the trailer out for that documentary, the Meg Two, and it's like yeah, why yeah. would you why would you ever want to like seeing all of the stuff that happened to those people in that f- true story? It's like I don't I don't know yeah. why anyone would ever want to deal with this. Good thing Jason Statham was there. Thank goodness. I'm still really sorry. I'm sad about what happened to the wall because that guy's like my favorite actor. I love him dearly. Jason Statham? No. The big guy, the wall. Oh, the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Dari. Dari. Oh, wait, what happened? Oh, Did, you've seen the Meg, haven't you? I, I mean, I have, but I don't remember what happened to him. Well, they, okay. Spoilers for the Meg. Yeah. Spoilers um, for the Meg, which again, Meg. it's in the history books. So it is. I mean, this really happens, you know, you can look it up at any time, but um, so after they catch what they think is the Meg, or I guess the first Meg, they don't realize there's a second one. They're like partying with it. And like, he goes to put his head inside it for a 
photo op and then they spook him and he falls in the water and he's inexplicably, I know that the giant shark is hung up, but I still wouldn't be like flipping around in there, you know, and then he gets eaten as, as I expected to happen. I was just really kind of hoping that, you know, as a side character, he would survive, but hmm. I guess he's not coming back for the, you know what, the that, documentary. that thing looks pretty ridiculous. So I feel like they could do just about anything. And I would just I walk would into totally frame and suspend all reality yeah. to see that man on screen. I'm going to stop talking now. Didn't you die? Yup. And that could be it. Done. And I would be like, okay, reality accepted. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know he, what? Whatever. He could have survived. You know, it could have like swallowed him whole. And he's, just and he's been around. chilling. And he punched his way out because he's the and wall. He, well, and he's, I mean, that's how very resourceful i felt like that, that's how the original book ended anyway so they could just really they could do that oh i think uh, yeah it, I, i've only ever read that first book but so wait, I'm, I'm sorry it was a book yeah there's, oh, yeah, a, it's oh, oh, there's a bunch of uh, meg is it worth is it worth reading i remember it getting I'm going with no based on think, both of your <laughs> i don't no, no, think no, steve actually... alton listens to this podcast so it's probably fine but i remember it getting pretty bogged down in like the tech and stuff like I might be wrong. I was trying to kind be, of it, was on the, it was on the tail end of Michael Crichton's heyday. Mm. And so I, I think everybody was trying to be Michael Crichton. It's actually, it's not, the series is, I read the first three. Um, the series isn't bad. It's, it's, well, it's, it's basically, if you like the movie, the, the book is as, it, it's beach reading. Um, which I don't say as a bad thing. It's, 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 it's really fun beach yeah. reading. If you're like, hey, I want a good shark you know, pseudo sci-fi Michael Crichton book. That's literally what this is. So, um, it's now. yeah. Well, what I like about the um, the sequel is uh, you guys saw the trailer, right? The, the Meg yep. Two trailer. The thing with the uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yep. And that's actually the first chapter. Uh, that's actually the prologue of the first book. And I was so mad that it wasn't in the movie, and now they're putting it in the sequel. So I feel better now. It they have prepared their transgression yeah it definitely feels like a course correction like someone because it's a different director for the second one so it definitely seems like he went yeah. in and immediately went look if a shark doesn't eat a dinosaur we're all wasting our time i agree and then the first lying. one played it the first one played it so safe i thought like i mean it's still bonkers <laughs> i know i know but i mean it's still bonkers but like as bonkers as the book is or the movie could have been like it wasn't like it wasn't really like it's PG thirteen. It wasn't very bloody. It wasn't Which very. So is it was the like, second one apparently. And so is the second one. So, but like it still looks more bonkers. And I'm like, you guys could go all in. Like we're not here for the Oscar. Let's go on all in on our shark movie. Yeah, it feels. Yeah, exactly. And the director, I think, has even said the Ben Wheatley, the director of the second one, has even said he's going to lean more into that because the first one they went out and they were like, it's Jason Statham versus a giant shark, and we all went, that sounds crazy. And then we went to see it and we're like, well, it's not really that though, is it? So it looks like this one is definitely more. Yeah, there's like a giant squid in this one too. Because at well, one point the there's, one, like, there's tentacles, wasn't there? It like yeah, there was, there was and the got first her one. little pod. Yep, I got to rewatch the first one. I haven't seen it since theaters. Yeah, I remember I thinking it was fine. It. I had I had no idea it was that good. I just didn't. I I mean, I don't know why I would have doubted that. It just never really was much on my radar. I think I was confusing it with another shark movie that I watched part of and was like meh. Yeah, there's like 15 shark movies come out a, a yeah. year. And you one has know. come out since yeah. we started recording, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. What was I going to say? Yeah, we're, uh, and we'll get to Dr. Giggles in a moment, I swear. <laughs> the 
I, I like this because you guys, you, it sounds like your minds work the same way I do. Because now it I'm like, sounds oh, let's talk about like this is going to work out just fine yeah. based on this conversation. <laughs> so uh, we're we, we're always so bad at the whole like there's a sequel coming out. We should rewatch the first or like there's a new Mission Impossible coming out and we're watching the trailer and I'm like, oh, I'm so excited for this. But I don't remember anything about the other ones. We should rewatch them. And it just never happens. Like Fast 10, I'm going to see it tomorrow morning. And I was like, I don't know. I should probably go back through all. Nah. I still have never seen them. Is There's that amazing? There, I mean, I look. Oh, I'm really? Not gonna, Good. I'm not going to sit here and say that you should. <laughs> but I feel it's... like it's like now a cultural touchstone that I'm not a part of. Right? Yeah, mm. I hate that. It... I feel like I know enough of the verbiage, like when Tokyo Drift was a thing. I felt like that was very useful because somehow there was a lot of references to that, and I'm not sure why. But in the later movies. Well, no, the to- just the just the whole Tokyo Drift like idea, I guess, oh. of like that yeah. method of driving. Maybe yeah, drifting was, was really huge bad when it happened. <laughs> you were just drifting, and you had probably <laughs> that. My drifting was probably a little bit different. It's probably like, huh, and then just you know, like wow, she's so good at driving this way. Like I was just going to the store. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I look. Yeah. This is how I learned to parallel park. Okay, that's literally the only way you can do it. <laughs> Guys, look, unless I take the car in a full 360 spin into the parking spot, I cannot parallel Not making park. it. It's just yep. not, not not from this direction. Sorry. <laughs> you're with a passenger one day and you're just like, what are you, why are you stopping? Why are you stopping next to this car to do this? Just just drive full tilt at the space and turn into it. I am always taken aback when someone is attempting to parallel park in front of me. I'm like, well, because I work downtown. I'm like, whoa, you just stopped like in the middle of the road. Wait, why are you backing up? What the fuck is going on here? And I'm like, oh, this again. But I kind of feel like you have to clear the cars behind you. That's the constant thing that I run into is people who are like, I am now going to parallel park here. And I'm going to need just all the cars that are stacked up behind me in rush hour traffic to just not be there. And I'm like, my anxiety won't allow that. Yeah, I will walk an hour if it means I don't have to parallel park. I will just drive and drive and drive Same. until it's I'm like, you. Yeah. boom. It's like, I passed the test. I did it, it when I needed to. I sometimes have to parallel park sort of on the suburban street where we live, but I would still rather just drive around the corner and walk to the house. Actually, I can't, I don't even, I don't, I can't even really back into parking spaces. And the, like the main thing that amuses me about it is because my husband and I were watching Unsolved Mystery several years ago and there was one about like this woman who'd gone missing and it's like, they're talking about, they're like, and her, they found her vehicle and it was parked. Like she backed in the space and David goes, Oh my God, it wasn't her. And I was like, you sexist. And her, her dad goes on and said, as soon as I saw it, it backed in the space, I knew it wasn't her that had parked. <laughs> I was like, okay. Wow. But I mean, That's at least good. I, at least I know my husband has many touchstones where he would know that I had been kidnapped. Look, she can't parallel park. Something bad has happened here. We found the car parked halfway across the parking lot where there were no other vehicles, clearly in an attempt to not have to back into the space. <laughs> so we know that they were driving. That's how they'd find me. Like, something, yeah, I'm going to stop going on tangents, I swear. Dr. Giggles is a yeah. movie that we watched. <laughs> I was yeah. so. Are you gonna do the giggle sound effect the whole time, like you like you did with the <laughs> Halloween? 
one of the notes I actually took was at one point the subtitle was Giggles Giggles and that was a delight. That's amazing. I was a big fan of that. Giggles Giggles. Uh, does any all right, let's let's round table. Laurel, do you have any history with the movie Dr. Giggles? None at all. I had never seen it. Had you even heard of it before I started talking about it? I think I had, it was one of those like titles that I'd seen at the video store back when that was a thing. Like, I feel like it was one of those ones that I ran across a couple of times, but never rented. Patrick, do you have a history with the film Dr. Giggles? A little bit. Uh, I always loved horror movies. So I would stay up very, very late and watch the, these kind of movies on Showtime in the middle of the night. So that's where I got to see most of my, um 90s horror movies like uh sloshy kind of stuff like this uh the dentist uh demon wind like all of the all of the b horror movies played uh on on the premium channels at night and i would send when i saw one i would stay up and watch that and that was kind of like my my secret thing that i did as a kid uh and dr giggles was always uh a big one for me um especially because uh of larry drake the, the lead who, because uh, I was a big uh, Darkman fan at the time as well, um, which came out the same year. Uh, so because of that, I, I knew, I had always known of it because of Larry Drake, because I'd, I'd seen it at such a weird, probably too early time in my life. So, What was the, sh- was it L.A. Law yeah. that he was on? Because they were yeah, like, oh, was, it's the L.A. Law guy. Yeah, he did like 150 episodes on L.A. Law. Yeah. And he's and, the bad guy in Darkman, right? I haven't he's seen like, Darkman in a while. So he was like, so Larry Drake, I think, is actually pretty brilliant. Like, I actually think he's a great actor. Um, but he um, was like the henchman in Darkman, but was, but his character was so presenting so evilly and just so charismatic that they actually made him the title character in Darkman 2. Yeah, because um, I'm picturing him on the poster, and that's yep. why it's because I'm picturing either I was like either Darkman Two or Darkman Three: Colon Die, Darkman Die. Brilliant. Looks like <laughs> yeah. he's on the cover for Darkman Two. Yeah, and his character is the reason. Like, so it's called Darkman Two: The Return of Durant, and Durant was his character. It was the only breakout thing that happened in that movie at the time. Uh, because Larry Drake played him so menacingly that that's what fans kind of gathered toward. Huh. So, yeah. It's kind of a, insane to me that we've never done a Dark Man episode around these parts, but one day. Uh, yeah, my history this is the usual history with horror is that mythical summer I've talked about before in 1998, I believe, where we rented Friday the 13th Part 6 and went, that was fun. Let's rent every horror and slasher movie known to man for the rest of this summer. So we went down to our to rent a reel, which was our local video store, and they had two for four bucks. And we just rented basically everything on the shelf. And that doctor, like it was a great summer. Yeah. Just me and two friends every couple of days, rent two movies, watch them, return them. Not the most social <laughs> thing, but we were together. I really think my entire writing career is just trying to recreate that exact feeling of what you just struck. It's oh, it was such a good summer. And like we spent Rented. a week at a cabin and anytime it would rain and be like, well, we got our rent a reel tapes. You need to write that down, Patrick, because, you know, like whenever you do interviews and stuff, people are always like, what are so, you know, why did you get into horror? Why horror? 
And that should be your answer. Yeah. That feeling trying to recreate that. That feeling you get sitting or standing inside of a blockbuster in the horror section and looking at the amazing eighties artwork. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's it. One of one thing that I, uh, I once wrote is, uh, how there's no better feeling in life than randomly finding Friday the 13th playing on cable television at 12 at night. And I was like, yeah, that's true. Especially like during October or something like that's it. Like just randomly TNT is playing Friday the 13th seven. Like I know what I'm doing for the next two hours. There's no better feeling than that. Thanks TNT. I did forget how, how, how much they delivered on that kind of stuff. They really did. Cause we didn't have, we didn't have the premium channels. So it's Mm -hmm. like USA USA TBS nine a.m. on a Sunday, you might catch something cool. Sunday matinee movies, man. Like the second you got a good horror movie on Sunday matinee, you were just happy. We had the movie network up here in Canada, and that's how a a young me discovered things like species and went, "Hmm, I got that." I'm gonna tape this and rewatch certain scenes over. over. Have have you done species on the show? We actually haven't. There was talk of doing a run through all four of them. Like me and my wife were going to do species one through four and then realized we didn't want to watch two, three or four and then just didn't do it. Gotcha. Well, I mean, we skipped Halloween too. That's true. You can do what you want. Exactly. We've, We've done Halloween one and three. And that might be where we stop. It might be fun to just do like six. Just do, do like five. A, or like the one of the Rob Zombie ones and then five. just be done. Five would be really funny because it's a direct continuation of four. So it'd be hilarious it to just be great to get straight into it and spend yeah. the whole time going, who is this guy? Why does this matter? Look, nothing matters with those movies. It's true. Sure. You know what? It honestly, if I remember right, five looks at four and goes, I don't want to do most of that. And then just kind of does its own thing anyway. So the, the only Halloween sequel I ever actually liked was uh, H2O. Um, that is a good one. Like and but like to me, everything else, um, like even the new ones, um, I absolutely do not like. Um, so in fact, I would prefer Rob yes. Zombie's remake over any of the Halloween sequels. So, yeah, I'd have mm. I'd have I don't to know. go back like, and see, but I'd have yeah, to go back and watch them. It's soon been a bit the top of my head. Yeah. Again, you have to take season of the witch out of. Not really, though. Diaspora kind of because, well, I mean, it's, it's I, got like, a three right in the title. It does. I'm just saying, like, from an enjoyment perspective, I, I was about to add the caveat that no, I mean, three is actually pretty good. Sean did prove to me point by point that it is a flawless movie. Yeah. I thought I had my arguments together. But I was wrong. Turns out now it's a five star movie. Yeah. I was wondering no what it would be like if it originally came out not under the Halloween title. Because it does stand yeah. alone. Yeah. Turn it off. Turn it off. Turn bum, it bum, off. Bum, bum, Great bum. ending. And one of my favorite running jokes of a podcast episode to just pipe into that Halloween song. He every... started with eight more days till Halloween and he did it all the way down. Nice. Go listen to that episode. It's I'm gonna. That's awesome. We recorded it at like 10 p.m. on a Friday, and we're just in a weird mental space. Well, that's how you got to record horror movie, uh, horror movie podcast, right? You need to be. It's got to be at night. You got to be. You got to be a little bit buzzed. 
so and, we're, uh, and we already failed then? It's 1.30 right. in the afternoon. And it's 1.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday, and I got, <laughs> we're all got water cups next to yeah. us. Glass of water. But you yeah. know what? I think, I think you need – no, see, this contradicts it because I think you need to be sober to talk about Dr. Giggles because That's that true. was definitely written by a madman. Yeah, man, yeah. Dr. Giggles. Uh, let me ask you this question, everybody. How do you feel about one-liners? <laughs> The fact that the heroine gets two at the end, though. Yeah. Back to back. And it almost feels like she does so, like, out of annoyance. Like, she's like, (laughs) okay, I've been hearing your shit this entire night, so here's one for you. And I'm like, I can really get along with that. Do you think she had to mentally cycle through all the ones she's heard to find one that he hadn't used yet? Because he had, at that point, had there was not much untapped territory, one-liner-wise. I think that's what she was doing on the floor that whole time. Like she, and as she's creeping by him, she's like, I know he's going to grab me. What's the next one I can use. <laughs> I do love the idea of a heroine going like, Oh, I have a good one. <laughs> I hope I win. Cause I have a good one. You know, though, if they treated this, this movie, I felt like had a lot of potential if taken in a different way. Like if they treated this almost like a Buffy episode, that could have been, they could have pulled that off. She did right? seem very buffy towards the end. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. And I'm that sorry, was my I'm other notes. No, was good. that was my other takeaway from the movie. Speaking of Buffy, is the the um the amazing '90s who's who of of '90s genre TV stars. That's true. Was kind of insane in it. In this one. Yeah. Oh, everybody in this movie became huge in the '90s on TV. Oh, I didn't recognize any of them. Who? Really? Oh, yeah. yeah no, I mean, so uh, Holly Marie Combs, uh, the same year, uh, you know, she played the heroine in this. Uh, same year went on to do Picket Fences, which was kind of like an insane um, thing to have. That was a primetime show. One of my favorites, actually. But that was a primetime show that was kind of like Twin Peaks light. Um, and she was on that. She was like one of the main characters. And, uh, then she went on to star in Charmed. Uh, which, oh, that's you know, where oh, I saw her from. Yes. Okay. Yep. okay. And then where I recognize her from. Glenn Quinn, who plays her boyfriend, who's one of the survivors at the end. When, uh, he was, uh, on Roseanne for years, like six years, uh, playing okay, the uh, yeah. oldest daughter's boyfriend. Yeah, and then right when that was gone, right when that ended, he played the main. He would have been the main character on Angel, the Buffy spinoff. Um, oh, but yeah, he was on the first six episodes, and they wrote him off because he passed away. He died yeah. of a drug overdose. Oh wow! Yeah, he died. Yeah, he died of a drug overdose like six episodes into the show. But he was one of the three main characters. Uh, and was of, the of was Doctor Chamberlain? Was that the guy from Twin Peaks? I think so. He was in everything. I recognized him just from recognizing him. Uh, he's got yeah. a long list of, yeah, I, he might have been, but he was, yeah, he's got one of those faces. I think he's been in everything. So, no, I thought that was really interesting about it. I was like, oh, I recognize so many of these, like, even, like, bit parts, like the girl who um, makes out with him at the amusement park. Uh, yeah, the Glenn whole Quinn. Yeah, uh, I knew yeah. I recognized her, but I couldn't think of where from. You, you, I know because she's on every. She was on everything in the nineties. She always she's played. Been, no, she actually plays with some of the sweetest people. Uh, mm-hmm. She actually plays uh, like she was Fraser's girlfriend for a few episodes. In one of them, she was um, on. Uh, I want to see. She was on Pig Offensive once, but she's on. She did a guest spot on Scrubs, I believe. 
very bit parts, but she always shows up. But yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so that's what I thought. What I thought was the funniest thing about the movie was just like everybody who jumped on screen. I was like, oh, I know this person. Like even uh, Dougie Doug has a bit part of it, who was huge in the nineties. And uh, yeah, no, I thought like, it was crazy. Yeah, I was the like, perf- yeah. The performances in this movie are kind of a cut above what I expected. So hearing you yeah. say that they actually went on to pretty lucrative careers tracks. No. Because I had certain thoughts going back into Dr. Giggles, which I hadn't seen in, God, 15 years, probably 10, 15 years of my last viewing. It's like a shockingly competent movie. (laughs) That's what I kept saying in my notes. I was like, really? Some of the decisions that they made, too. I was like, you did not go for the low hanging fruit. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and say the fact that when he's like getting ready to perform surgery on her. And he like goes to like lower her gown. They don't show her boobs. I don't think there's any boobs in this movie. No, there's not. And that would have been like almost a perfect. I would not have necessarily blamed them had they leaned into that. But I actually really like that he was like a little bit like, oh, well, I would never. I'm I'm just here to like completely gouge your inner organs out. I'm not a, a weirdo. I mean, in his eyes, he's still a professional. So yeah. Well, so I have a question for you, too, because I thought I, I had this one thought about that scene. Um, and I was like, I don't know. Will they think I'm crazy if I mention this? But I feel like there's so much of this movie that they could so many places they could have gone instead of the horror comedy route. And I'm like, what if what if he did heal her problem? I wondered like, about what, that, too. What if that was the big twist at the end? Like, oh, he actually gives her a heart transplant. And now she's got to be like. Do I want to kill this guy? Like they could have gone so many places with it. That would have been a pretty cool route and kind of true to his character. Cause a lot of it is, you know, well, we couldn't say, you know, and obviously again, spoilers for Dr. Giggles. So if you don't want, if you're listening and you go, I don't know, oh, I'm, sorry. In, I'm intrigued. Oh no, no we spoil No, we spoil everything. I just always feel obligated. Like I literally recorded an episode yesterday where we spoil every aspect of the thing. Um, so, you know, if you do want to go see the movie, which I think you probably should, Go ahead, watch it, come on back and hear more about how we're about to say a whole bunch of stuff about the ending of the movie. Uh, It it is kind of true to the character of Dr. Giggles because the whole origin story is that his dad was a doctor and they were trying to save the wife slash mom who had a heart problem. If in the end he actually pulls it off, finds inner peace and he retires. Like literally walks into the sun. Yeah. yeah, like, like yeah. Thanos. I, I, like Thanos, yeah, like, I mean, that I would mean, also be like kind of poignant, you know, like his last breath. And then and then your like closing shot of the movie's got to be her like running or something. And and then she like sort of hears her own heartbeat and, she, you know, she stares into the middle distance kind of thing. And then Dr. Giggles appears in the clouds like in The Lion King. No, no, no. <laughs> I do like that, actually. But I'm holding thinking, like, holding if- a, a cut out heart. <laughs> So, you know, I was thinking, like, what if she starts running and then all of a sudden you just hear her start r- giggling exactly like him? Cuts the oh, black. Ooh, that'd be better. good, too. Yeah, right? that's better. Like boyfriend's that. like, what's so funny? Cut to credits. <laughs> I was also surprised the boyfriend got to live. Same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Same. literally cheats on her in the middle of the movie. I know. No. You're like, a, yeah. Yeah, Laurel's right, though, because, like, if this was a regular 92 horror movie, you would you would have seen her boobs 100%. A few times during the movie, 
uh, the boyfriend would have gotten it because he cheated. Yeah, the worst right? of anyone. Yes. Um, at the time, too, because that's every horror movie, too, in the 90s. They, they would have gotten it while they were making out. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. They really did subvert that whole idea. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, I'll give it that. Yeah. The other the other one that really stuck out to me was when, um, is it Reitz was, or Reitz, the, the younger cop, the guy who, like, actually is not an idiot? Yeah, the superhero um, of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when the boyfriend's like you know i'm coming with you and he's like the hell you are yeah sit back there and wait for your parents i was like unexpectedly prudent you're right yeah. you would not bring the teenager with you to the house yeah that's true a lot of movies would have gone the like okay but stay behind me Ruth. yeah exactly that was that is what i expected and i was i was like wow i was also expecting and again just from like my history of obviously just watching horrible 90s movies i was expecting the the kind of moral panic that you got with a lot of those movies where it's like you know you're doing drugs you're gonna die in it you're drinking you're gonna die in it you're having sex you're gonna die in it like you know like the the friday the 13th trend right and so when the boyfriend didn't get it i was like oh okay but also like the the kind of stance that they took on the side characters too where you have this doctor, right? This this fairly handsome middle-aged doctor. And the second I saw him, I'm like, oh, he's going to do something nefarious to her and he's going to get it. So the audience can root for the bad guy or something. Because at the time, people wanted to root for the bad guy, right? And so like they did that all the time in film, like whether it was Freddy, like everybody who died was still morally reprehensible. But they didn't do any of that. Even the father who who is sleeping with someone else after the mother dies is like, no, she's my daughter. I'm going to put her first. Give me a second. And you know what I mean? Like, you know, what, you know so like, I thought that was really interesting. I was like, yeah, you guys didn't go the, the route with, with your side characters. You actually made them kind of likable. So, yeah, yeah. that's Agreed. I did keep waiting for that other shoe to drop. And even like the, the girlfriend, Tamara or whatever, like she's obviously supposed to be unlikable and she totally is. But I can also really see how that is a realistic reaction from someone who's very young, who does not have kids and has not spent a lot of time with people she cares about who have kids. Because I have definitely, like, I, I have a stepson, but I had a, a friend who, um, after I'd been with my husband for a while, like, she started dating a guy who had a daughter. And she would be, like, livid because she was like, well, he took her to the fair without me and I was like have you guys met and she's like well no but I just think I should be the one to go to the fair and I'm like okay you're not a bad person but may I suggest that you stop dating people with children so like it's like I you know you don't like her because she's like she's trying to tear us apart by having a heart problem that definitely yeah. predates your appearance in her life there's definitely an experience that's not getting not that's not there and yeah. uh, she she does though she does have my favorite line in the entire movie because it really made me laugh when um the father when they're they I think they just finished having sex and the father wants to go check on on the daughter and he's and she's like why and he's like well she's you know her mother just died she's not over it yet and she goes you sure got over it pretty quick <laughs> <laughs> I was like she's not wrong. <laughs> I did at yeah. that point I did go like because initially I'd gotten the impression that the mom had died like a little while ago but then mm -hmm. when when he's like she just lost her mother 
And she's like, well, you just lost your wife. And I'm like, wait, what do we mean by just? Was this like, like that two morning. weeks ago? Like- <laughs> Same day. Yeah, it's like everyone's handling this pretty well. It's like, it's like, oh, mom died this morning. And now there's some chick making dinner in the kitchen, acting annoyed that I'm not giving her attention. Weird. Yeah, there, there, there needed to be some um, context to like, what, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Um, I guess we didn't sum up the story, but there's not much to say. There's a doctor named Dr. Giggles and he's murdering people. He's in an insane asylum. He breaks out and he starts murdering people. Classic slasher setup. Really? And Dude, that opening really was Ooh. good too. Because initially, I was like, "What in the fuck is going on?" People don't perform surgery on folks wearing a suit, but it's like you're. It threw me off because there were all these people in the observatory, and I'm like, "Well, so he's clearly not just like busted in by himself." And then when I realized it's the other patients, I'm like, "Oh, nice misdirect." Yeah, yeah. that was an awesome misdirect, and that actually kind of ruined the rest of the movie for me because I would have loved to seen. <laughs> Well, because I would love to see more from his point of view that way, like breaking that that reality for the audience as well was really cool. Like that was like, yeah. oh, that was an awesome misdirect. But then I wanted to see, well, what's going through his head when he's working on uh, Marie Holly Combs's character or like, like I wanted to see that uh, as well. I'm like, oh, you, you gave us this really cool misdirect, but you didn't follow through with it. And I was like, oh, that would have been so cool to actually see every kill from his um insanity from 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 where he's coming from and have him narrate it like he's like he's doing it for an audience oh that would be awesome it'd be a very different movie yeah exactly i think that's why i was disappointed because i was like oh you guys built that up in the beginning i did also note oh sorry i was gonna i I was gonna move us to a different thing so i don't want to if there's still more to say about the opening um because we just did the dead silence episode and i noted how mary shaw has her own rhyming like song nursery rhyme thing i was like that must be the ultimate goal of any any villain is to get your own little song dr giggles has not really a song but he's got a rhyme but is it i don't think it's for him i think it's for his dad i don't think that's Uh, yes i I right it is because he hasn't killed anyone yeah you're right it is Eh, still he'll inherit it that's true that that becomes his yeah it will be his now that he's done what he's done yeah, and it make, it makes me wonder why there was never a prequel, or you know, because apparently he was already a, a crazed serial killer at the time. So, you know, they started with the second generation. There was a Doctor Giggles too, but I didn't really look into what that covers. I'm assuming that was wait, not is there? A when I when I was looking for it to rent on Amazon, like one of the results that came up with was Doctor Giggles too, but maybe that was just like a search that people do and are constantly disappointed by. Oh no, it's a comic book. Oh, really yeah so dr giggles was originally a comic book and then by dark horse and they bought the rights to it and made the movie and then years later um dark horse actually um kept it going uh you know for fun because the movie got so so much oh. publicity yeah Oh, yeah, I looked it up. There's an interview with the screenwriter, it looks like, explaining why there was never a sequel. But then when I click it, the article doesn't seem to exist anymore. But I assume it's because it didn't make. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It didn't make any money, I assume. They really did seem like because this was what, 92. So what was the Freddy's Dead, I guess, was the the nightmare. Yeah, Freddy's Dead was 92 or 93. Yeah. So that was probably something big. Yeah, it definitely seemed like they were leaning pretty heavy into well, we'll have our own wisecracking villain. And mm-hmm. 
Because man, I think that could have gone somewhere. This dude loved to crack wise. He did. Yep. He did. What was your favorite Doctor Giggles one-liner slash moment? Oh. I have mine. It was real dumb. Uh, let's see. I feel like I wrote down a couple of these. I, I did too. I'm trying to remember it because there was one. I'm just trying to remember what it was. I can say mine to get the juices right. flowing. Go mine is, mine was it. have a heart. And then he throws yeah. a human heart at a guy. It's like, you know oh, what? True. That was yes. Good. I like I, the te- let's test your reflexes. That was oh, yeah. so silly. The 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 jousting match between the doctors that was amazing. That I'm like, dude, it's not quite Motel Hell's chainsaw fight with pig heads on, but it's in the running. It's up I, there. I mean, it's up there with that giant like reflex basher, whatever the hell that thing is actually called. Because I also like don't feel like that's a very threatening instrument. And this is not, it's rubber. Yeah. And I also, yeah, I even wrote down, I'm sorry, but Dr. Giggles doesn't seem tough. And like that, I think I wrote no. when he was battling it out with that other doctor. It's like, I just feel like he wouldn't win this fight. But yeah, I mean, it seems unlikely. And I'm not exactly sure why Chamberlain would like sit there and let him wrap the giant blood pressure cuff on his neck. Although when they did that, I was like, okay, you know what? Speaking as someone who's like had to lay in a hospital bed with the freaking thing on and it you know like every 15 minutes does that yeah that would kill a person i could see that like being a thing i don't know if that's everyone else's experience i guess is like no, when I I had my, yeah it's like when i had my son like i guess i don't have blood pressure or like on my left arm you can't measure it oh, so i'll just be like just keep squeezing and i'm like no that's not gonna help eventually i'm gonna lose the limb so yeah, I was like, no, that's also, I got to say, I liked the practical effects on that too. I liked Chamberlain's face. Uh, that was nicely done. It was, you know, I mean, obviously it wasn't like super, super convincing, but it definitely did the job. I actually thought the practical effects on a lot of this actually were pretty, mm-hmm. um, it was all very, uh, whether it was the way it was directed or, or just the effect itself, um, there was nothing egregious in it. Like there's nothing like, oh, that's dumb. That's obviously a dummy. Like, it was actually shot pretty decently where I was like, oh, all right. Like, that's convincing, at least. The neighbor chick, you know, that broad always reporting rapists. Ugh, so annoying. How dare she? Yeah. God, I'm sitting here trying to eat my Chinese takeout, and she's just like, someone's trying to rape me. God. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Well, but hers, like, where they, like, jam. God, in case anyone takes this out of context, I'm being sarcastic. Please don't play this back five years from now when i'm on some panel um anyways so <laughs> when they jam whatever when he jams whatever that is up her nose like that's pretty clearly like you know that's that was the yeah. one that looked pretty fake but i'm also just i feel like it still delivers the message of like this is what happened we don't fade away from it we let you see it and obviously we can't actually do this to this chick so i was like no i i accept this practical mm-hmm. effects. the practical effect bit is a good time to launch into what is the most fucked up scene in the movie? So the backstory with the dad is that they're killing people to take hearts and the people of, I forget the name of the town more high, more high kill the dad. And the son isn't there. And the whole mystery is how did he get the son out of the house? How did he get the son out of the house? Then we find out (laughs) how he did it is 
they took the mom out to the morgue and the reveal it's like the cop is telling him about like hey do you want to know something fucked up and there's a flashback and what happened was they the dad sewed the son into the carcass of the mom and so then we see the body in the morgue and all of a sudden like something starts pushing from underneath and then the son cuts his way out of the mom's body and the whole time i was like in what a movie in a movie that's largely you know very goofy and slapsticky that's some hardcore shit (laughs) I do feel like it belongs in a different movie in a way. It does. Cause actually the, the, the message there where he's like, it was as though he was like being reborn. I was like, not bad on no, the, not bad. It's a little on the nose, but yeah. okay. But my note on it is like, before he said, like she was even sewn back up, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking at him cutting his way out of her. I'm like, okay, there's no incisions on this woman. No, it was Did the he climb up her butt. Like how, did yeah. this occur in the first place? Like, yeah. like did, he, did he open up her back? But that doesn't make sense either. Yeah, not it, so much. Because, yeah. like, I yeah. mean, I, I guess if you completely gutted her, like, to where there's no spinal column or anything, may, maybe. No, I, actually, no. What if? Okay. What if? Okay. I'm not a doctor. But what if, okay, you make the incision around the front and you open up and you go, okay, son, climb in. Trust me, this is fine. And then you seal it back up and then you take a strip of skin from somewhere else and just put glue on the back and glue more skin over the cut to hide it. Kind of like Autopsy of Jane Doe. I have not seen that, but I want to. Yeah, it's good. But yeah, oh, it's I so good. So. Yeah. yeah really okay. Good. So where there's that actually, all right, Sean, no, you're good at this. All right. I buy it. My objective. That's the only thing I can think of. Cause I also noted, I don't see any way that this kid got inside her, except yeah. like you said, the butt, which again, I'm not a doctor. So maybe. Well, I think the real Probably answer to not. this, I think the real answer to this is that we, the three of us have just put more thought into this than they did into the script. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think they were just like, you know what I want to have. Here's what we should, yeah. I want this kid to cut his way out giggling and covering him, which I, I mean again, that was like if you if you're willing to suspend that reality, pretty cool. And I will also say that the that the cop who's telling the story, like, isn't cliche that the chief is like, <laughs> I mean, look, there are missing children. There's definitely some blood to and essentially grown people have reported the exact same appearance of a psychopath. Uh, there's also an escaped, you know, but you guys are imagining things. That's very, very cliche. Full and moon the, must be out tonight. Haha, yep. I'm going to have some more Chinese food. Jam it in my mouth. But, you know, <laughs> I, I like the, the older cop. And then when he's like, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to tell you this story. Uh, ignore it. Despite the fact that something clearly fucked up is happening. When he goes to tell the story, he actually he does a good job he is not as cliche as i expected no he actually delivered that line and with the subsequent scene it's like oh like you got ptsd from this like this is something that you Um, can't handle rightfully and i and i believed him at that moment we're like oh you didn't tell anybody about this and it's usually like for no reason but i was like yeah i wouldn't tell anybody about that either yeah and he's been drinking he was he drinking. was younger and he's drinking on the job and he's ju- and you just watch the chief like 
mold reality to ludicrous degrees to avoid dealing with this. And you're like, well, I'm sure he was working for the same guy. So he just, probably looked at that and was like, nah, that's not going to fly. Coming home, like, how was your day? Well, it started pretty good. <laughs> I <laughs> They you know, brought in donuts. Days when- uh, so I liked that and did a lot of paperwork I've been holding off on. Honey, what did you do today? I, I saw a woman give birth. Oh, yeah. was the baby cute? I saw a woman give birth. <laughs> <laughs> saw a woman give birth in the morgue. It's like, hang on. How many pounds was the baby? 13. <laughs> years. <40-ish. laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I'm hard. also writing that line down. Birthing in well, a morgue. Birth, that's, hey, that's an idea right there. High t- Hightower's writing down some it's nice. stay tuned for my next collection you know mrs mrs giggles all all oh if you write all son all of her. giggles oh my son god you're gonna be a god in the horror son community. of giggles you know what next that, anthology we do that's got a giggles. giggles anthology yeah. okay yeah, yeah. dr I'm giggles in. inspired short fiction flash fiction no one would expect it of me nope. no one and that's the thing it. That's what Dr. Giggles would do. We're sitting here saying how it doesn't do what you expect. So you got to lean into full Dr. Giggles and do something no one would expect. Keep what it going. Rights, what could the rights to the character cost? $80? I'll yeah. Pay, I'll pay that. Or we could do what that guy apparently did with Halloween, where he wrote the novelization of it after being told he didn't have the rights. And- okay. I Oh. I and is now that. like announcing it on Twitter, and and then legit like his follow up was copyright loss from HP broken. Yeah, so I <laughs> I saw that right before we came on here, where someone had posted that like I wrote the novelization, or like I used AI to do it, or was AI involved, or did this? I don't think do I, I I don't know. We're getting our discourse confused. I don't think there yeah, was AI. Equally shitty things. Equally so. shitty. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's like, oh, I just went ahead and did it. And then I don't I didn't know if it was the actual author or just someone retweeting it. It was like, yeah, copyrights were made to be broken. It's like literally so by definition, rock. untrue. Yeah. Like, and and not even that's not even like one of these, like, you know, you know, like where there's still a law that 10 women living in the same house in Tennessee is a brothel. Those laws were made to be broken. Intellectual property right protection. Not so much. Like, you know who might disagree with you? The holders of said copyright who probably are paying some attention. It's not like it's, you know, we're sitting here talking about Dr. Giggles, which hasn't had a new entry since Dr. Giggles. I don't think the Halloween franchise who had an entry eight months ago. No. Is going to be so forgiving. Yeah, that's not so much public domain. And honestly, if I were to do it, you are damn right that I will look up who has the rights to Dr. Giggles. I will get in touch with them. I will determine if the payment is worthwhile because I'm. And I think it's universal. So it might, it might actually cost a pretty penny. They might still be sitting on it in case they're like, look, we haven't fully ruled out Giggles lab at universal studios. So the Giggles go. cinematic universe. Yeah. That's, that's that would be high demand for that. I'm pretty sure the gig- oh, Giggles giggles v the dentist that's where this is all this is where this is all leading and that's where it's leading to giggles cross dentist v godzilla cross kong no they're warner brothers now never mind Uh, ah well um i had another oh it was going back to when we were talking about 
how they, you know, you can't think about that scene too much because it's just cool. And I'm a very big proponent of why would they do that? Because it's cool. They, uh, I listened to the commentary track or an interview on the new Blu-ray and the writer slash, I think actually it was the director brings up that giant band-aid that is used at one point to cover someone's face. And I wrote down like, where did he get that band-aid? And apparently that came up during production. They were like, that's ridiculous. And it was basically that, like, it doesn't matter. He got it as a promotional thing at a conference <laughs> he went to. Who cares? It's like, you know what? That is the right answer to that question. That yeah, is true. 100%. Yeah. You do get some weird shit at conferences, though. You actually, absolutely do. So sense. I wouldn't be surprised if giant novelty Band-Aid was something that, yeah, one table just had. Like, hey, thanks yeah. for coming. Here's a silly thing you can hang in your office or murder someone with later. Whatever. As, once as once as it's you yours. Heard, we it's don't yours judge. to do whatever. Yeah. What? I do. I have, I have a line in here on the, on the, with the, uh, the cop who's, you know, telling the story or whatever. And like when he, when he finally meets back up with Dr. Giggles and the first thing he says is you owe me 35 years of sleep. That was like, I identify with you so hard right now. <laughs> like yeah. I did not know that we could reclaim that. Like I said, PTSD, man, he, he was serving that like that's, yeah. yeah. And without making it too jokey either. Like I, and I love that because again, like, you know, any of these, I'm sorry, but like you can get trauma from much, much less intense situations mm-hmm. than like being child you know, cuts itself out of course, yes. three yeah. feet away from you. Yeah. And, and, but a lot of times you see, it's like, Oh, thank God we survived. All right. I'm fine. You want to go get some Froyo? You know, and it's like, as if there's no, and I, and I love that because it's like, no, we're going to revisit the fact that this completely dicked this guy's life. And yeah, he's still there, mad about the loss of sleep. It is so often two very different movies competing because the Dr. Yeah. Giggles stuff is very silly. Like we've said, he kills someone by wrapping a blood pressure thing around their neck. He kills someone by putting a giant bandaid. There's one where like a woman's been eating ice cream and he takes like a suction tube. Oh, and he's had his little blades too and shoves that down her gullet. And, like that's a yeah. So like all of that stuff is wild. And then there's the more serious like, hey, we're going to go on a Ferris wheel ride and I'm going to reveal a bunch of wild shit to you as he's just like, I just wanted to go on a Ferris wheel ride. So there's... <laughs> that side of the movie happening and the PTSD side of the movie happening. And it's, I mean, our main character has, uh, it has a heart defect and she has to wear a battery around her belt. I was like, wow, that's, that's a different, like that's different for a horror movie. Like that you're actually making this actually medically interesting idea in 1992. Yeah. yeah I, just, I, I thought it was interesting. I thought they were, I was like initially rolling my eyes. Cause when, when she's like, no, I don't want to tell my boyfriend about this doctor. I'm like, God damn it. Are they going the pregnancy route? Because stop. Mm. And mm. then it was like, no, I was like, oh, okay. That's legit. And it also made like, initially I really disliked Dr. Chamberlain. Cause I'm thinking like, she's getting an examination because she thinks she's pregnant. And he's going, how's your dad? And I'm like, that's not okay. <laughs> we don't. And then I'm like, oh, okay. No, that's fair. He was supposed to be at the appointment with her. Okay, I pre- I just really appreciated those deviations. It, there were so mm-hmm. many times when it totally did not go the route that I thought it was going to go. It, yeah, I agree. It, I think if, if the takeaway that we can do is that like anything that they deviated from the norm actually worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was even surprised that like our, our secret hero, who was the uh, the younger cop, um, that was kind of like he was. I mean, he kicked butt at the end. Like he was like 
um i couldn't like i was i was sad that he didn't make it but he uh i i the fact that they followed through with that character like he wasn't just there as like another body count that he actually like saved them at the end of that was a was a pretty cool not a bad story arc for him Mm-mm. it does kind of feel like maybe someone went to them and said we need you know our horror villain we need a like a doctor who's cracking doctor jokes and then who they got the assignment and went like okay we'll have our doctor and he'll be cracking doctor jokes but what if we actually tried to make a film like what if we tried what if Mm -hmm. we put some effort into this like and elevated it beyond maybe what people might expect and sure enough i looked up the reviews from people like i went to letterboxd which is notoriously harsh and there's definitely lots of this is an underappreciated slasher movie. Like this is one I'm surprised more people aren't talking about. Even when the Blu-ray got announced for every, you know, Oh, who wants this? There was at least two, like, no, this is actually a pretty solid one. (laughs) You should check this out. I will give it that is that um, just watching it. It did feel like someone cared uh, on a story from whether it was the director or the screenwriter, like somebody like actually took time to think these scenes out, think out the kills uh, like it's, you know, I wouldn't say it's good by any means, but when you compare it to anything else in that kind of subgenre of, mm-hmm. you know, bad direct-to-video uh, movies, it's a uh, Laurel said it the best. I think it really did. Sub- somebody took the time to subvert your expectations, and to me, that's a success in that genre. Yeah, it isn't disposable. Which is someone who watches yeah. a lot of slasher movies, especially from that era as the '80s became the '90s there's a lot of disposable slashers, which is just the most bare minimum. Look, we know we can make five mil if we just stick six teenagers in, I don't know, pick a location, a mall. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then a person kills five of them and then dies done. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually tried to make like a mythos or like a pathos of like, Oh, it had a legacy character of going into like, you know, my father, did this and this is a history of this town and this person suffering this is like they, they tried to i feel like they just tried something to give it some more so, so much more substance other than there was a you backstory know. and and it was not a bad backstory honestly and it's and i actually think that the giggles thing which however they started out with wanting to do that for like oh this is going to be this guy's little affectation you know it's going to be like creepy that he's doing this giggle while he's doing horrible things but when they watch when you see how that develops with the kid and it's almost like a little nervous tick it it was really kind of like i felt sorry for that kid i was like oh yeah he's like too young to be able to process that his dad is like had this mental break and he just wants to connect so when his dad starts insane laughing he's like okay okay i don't like this but i guess i'm glad you're laughing and not crying anymore well i think you nail. i think you hit the nail on the head with it i think that that's kind of where whoever made those decisions did it because if you know when you notice that i feel any horror movie would have had him giggling while he was committing murders right like yeah. he, he, he i'm creepy he wasn't he was giggling when he was scared um, which I think was kind of crazy. He when he gets shot and he's trying to fix himself, he's giggling through it. When he's scared, he gets through. When he's nervous, uh, that, that the giggling helped him almost. That was his coping mechanism, and that I didn't expect from this kind of horror movie, like that kind of awareness, because he wasn't yeah. like just giggling when killing. Like, oh, I'm crazy. I'm giggling. I'm the Joker. I'm going to kill you. It was everything else that he he giggled at, and that's and I think he hit the nail on the head with that. Like, oh. Somebody actually thought about this. Yeah. yeah. 
there's a through love- line that makes sense, which is maybe something I wasn't expecting. Like mm. we're going to actually give this character a backstory that makes sense versus I don't know the usual, Oh, a prank went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And which I guess does right. make sense. If your face gets burned up in a prank, you're going to be pretty upset, but yeah, it does. But that's also been done. And I feel yeah. like here there's at least some empathy with it, you know, because this, this kid has no chance of like coming out normal, but yeah, it really hit me. The giggly thing. Like when, like you said, Patrick, like when he got shot, it was this like scared giggle. It was just mm-hmm. like, Oh no, this is not good giggle. And I'm trying to remember, did he giggle when he threw out those one-liners or did he just throw those and let it no, go? He just, no, I think he just threw them out. That's yeah. actually pretty amazing for him not to be yeah. laughing at his own jokes this whole time. Yeah, that, that's what that's the one that really kind of for me, that was the saving grace of the movie is that like, oh, you guys actually thought about like to at least to an extent, like, yeah, he wasn't, you know, he threw out one liners, which were really dumb. But uh, the giggling itself, the character, that was all, like you said, based off of this nervous tick of I I've just misconstrued medicine and torture in my mind. And it scares me and I'm giggling about it because there's nothing I can do about it. And uh yeah, like little pieces like that. I was like, oh, I wish this was an even better movie because like that kind of stuff needs to be explored. Like that's there cool. is a yeah, there's definitely a better movie struggling to get out beyond having your lead character stare dead in the camera and ask if there's a doctor in the house. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah, I feel is like that was an... the worst one. It was and they that made me very it. unhappy. Yeah. Actually, be, since you brought that up, can I can I tell you what my favorite moment of the entire movie was? It's a little film geeky, but I love it. Of course, um, do it. When he's so yeah, him looking at the camera and asking for a doctor in house was just, I mean, I don't, it's art. But uh, when he was, wait, when he was stitching himself up from, or getting the bullet, oh, yeah, stitching himself up. Did you notice the sight gag that he did when he asks for a scalpel? Yes, and he puts it in his own hand. But but the gloves are yep. different gloves. Yeah, oh, I didn't like, notice that. So the gloves are different gloves, and it's it's tight. So it looks like there's two people in the room. He says, scalpel, holds out a hand, says, and then the other hand gets it to him, but it's his, his both his hands, but they're different gloves. I was like, let's break that sight gag down. He took the time with the bullet <laughs> in him to go, I'm going to make this gag for no one. But that's why, one, that's why one-liners are so good, because usually right? the person you're delivering it to is dead by your own hand. Yep. yep. So it's so just it's the self-satisfaction of you coming up with something funny. And I could just Man. see the director going, yep, print, we got this. Yep. Like, that's like, you did that for no one, and I love it. <laughs> it's not I'm like in, when we did Commando, and you know he drops someone off a cliff, and he gets back in the car, and she's like, where did he go? And he's like, where, where's so-and-so? I let them go. It, it, you have to assume he's just, you know, that was pretty clever. And that two seconds later, he's not going to go. I, he was above a cliff and I dropped him. That's <laughs> why that's funny. <laughs> I that's feel like I, I would, though. I, I would, would feel awkward. Like, like, I couldn't oh, hold it in. There, like, but okay, like, you know what? You don't realize why what I just said is funny. So well, I'm that, tell that's you. why I, I, one of my favorite movie moments ever is in um, uh, Hot Fuzz, where he does explain that. Have you guys yeah. seen Hot Fuzz? Yes. Yes. Oh, where, I love where, Hot Fuzz. He, where he's like, did you, did you, did you scream or something? I forget what he tees him up with, but then he's like, he's like, well, there was one moment where 
he trips and I said this. And he's like, oh, man, you're off the chain. And yeah. So he actually he, explains the whole life. He's like, he throws a guy in the freezer. And he's like, did you say cool off? He's like, no, I didn't. But and then, yeah, he's like, but here's yes, another yes. thing I did. Yeah. I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that is. I love that movie. You're right, yep. though. I would have driven back to the cliffside and pointed down at the body and been like, do you see? That's why what I said was pretty good, right? <laughs> and then it just peters out. And it's a, like, awkwardness. Yeah, Dad. Okay, can we go now? <laughs> or just, like, he had to catch a train. It's like, did you throw him in front of a train? I did throw him in front of a train. <laughs> no ticket. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. I'm just oh, looking man. at my notes to make sure I didn't miss anything. Oh, I did note because I'm a big uh, advocate for accurate video game portrayals. <gasps> Dr. Mario. Dr. Mario. And I'm pretty sure I was watching and I was like, because my whole thing in movies is when people are playing a video game, it doesn't matter what it is. They're always like clicking the buttons as fast. And I was watching that kid play Dr. Mario. I was like, I'm pretty sure that kid's just playing Dr. Mario. So... Well done, movie. And the sound I effects were accurate. I, I love the two that they... To... Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, I, I can't believe they got the licensing for the music. Copyright laws are made to be broken. Yeah. You, you well I'm so sorry. Gosh. We already established this. Yeah, yeah we, this, is, we're, this is the canon that we're now living in. I mean, it's, that we're now taking a, back to 1992. It's a universal movie who I think own Illumination who eventually do the Mario movies. So maybe this is where that whole relationship started. They're like, look, this one is the day. Cinematic. Yeah, one day we're going to yeah. make a movie for you. But right now we just need to use this one game. And we're going to play it real accurately. Game. Yeah. It's not going to be a kid going as yeah. he tries to tap one button to make a pill move around. They, they, they played the long con on that one. That's yeah. Cool. They uh, did. And they also, I loved that they, again, he didn't kill the kid, but he didn't, but it, there, it wasn't like there was no explanation for it. He's like, how hey, well, you're a terminal case anyway. You're playing video games. So I'm just going to walk away. Like, you don't need yeah. me to kill you. I was like, okay. I kind of like how that's done and also really appreciate the reality of like, no, that kid would like, you know, hearing that should be like, no, going to keep playing. Don't care. I made yep. three notes that I don't understand now, which is also a key component of this podcast. Absolutely. Um, I wrote, are they just having an orgy in the music room? Yeah. That I was think there was awkward. a scene where a bunch of like couples were making out in the uh -huh. music room, the school, right? I, I had a note that whoever's saxophone that is is going to be fucking pissed. <laughs> yeah. And they go in there on Monday and they're like, oh, this smells like butt. What happened? <laughs> Why does my weed not taste American like butt? pie? That's a good eight years from now. Who did this? I don't this know. This isn't how like... it should taste, guys. What happened in here on the weekend? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but when she starts going down on the saxophone, even me, I'm like, look, I appreciate the flirting, but this is a little too weird for me. Like, yeah. I don't know what you're doing. That was I awkward. Mean, I mean, I'm not a teenage boy, so I once was. I, don't I was, think that and I still would have been much. a little bit like. See, I still would have been a little bit like, uh, you know, too too much. <laughs> Pull it back. I understand <laughs> what you're trying to do, but yeah. it's not working for me. Mm. Just. Just you don't go, have to do much. Direct. Just exist and I'll well, be I was, fine. I, I was the kind of teenage boy that if she actually started playing the saxophone really well, I'd been like, ooh, marry me. 
you know? <laughs> so, if she was yeah. just like, have you seen the Lost Boys? Like I have. And then she just launches into that. I'd be like, oh my God. Yeah. I've never be like, been more aroused. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, you know, do you like me? Well, play a little jazz saxophone with me and uh, we'll see. Yeah. The other ones I don't know, understand, I wrote as a two-part note. How did the burn face man get all the way into the operating room? And then I wrote, oh, wow, this isn't a dream sequence. Yeah, that was weird. It was a weird cut. What am I talking about when I wrote that? That's when she's having, when she's supposed to be having actual surgery, like, because obviously the, you know, all of the running around and almost dying collapses, whatever, the ventricle or whatever it is, um, She's having actual surgery and, and then, yeah, like you see the blood coming through, which, yeah, the visual on that, the biggest problem, honestly, that I had with that scene was that the, first of all, ain't no way a surgeon is going to start surgery without other people in the room. Someone else does the anesthesia. And if he's just the anesthesiologist, I shouldn't say just, that's a great job, but he's not, why would he start if like your nurse just left? You're not just gonna be like, sure, I'm going to do this myself. And then when some guy who's clearly a maniac comes in and you just stare at him for a long time, because I guess, cause your hands are clean. Cause he just does this the whole time. And I'm like, this man's clearly going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like you should at least make an effort. Yeah. Like two face just walked through the room. You're not going to stand there. Yeah. No, for me, the, that whole scene was weird. I had to like reorient myself because it, I thought the movie was over. Like I thought yeah. we were watching the, I thought we were watching the epilogue. Like I thought like it burned him and then it doesn't cut to anything. There's no like overtone. There's no score. We just see her getting surgery. And so, yeah, yeah that's why it felt like a dream sequence as well. Because like, are we watching the epilogue? Or then it keeps going. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. it felt like it should be, it should cut to like her waking up in bed or something. I was like, oh no, this exactly. is actually happening. Yeah, I thought we were going to get a horror movie ending right there. Like the, oh, we're still back or you're having a nightmare. Yeah. So again, I guess expectations subverted because I clearly had the idea that we were in a dream sequence. I was like, oh, no, this is reality. Yeah, Yeah. there's a whole other act. Yeah. I appreciate it too that she had the wherewithal to be like, oh, fuck, I can't be going under right now. Hang on. Let me get this off. Because I feel like, again, and this is me being 40 and exhausted, but I feel like I might be like, okay. Like, at least I'm going to be gone. I'll be, like, just out while this is going on. The doctor says, count up from 100, and you're like, no need. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> yep. and I had that, whatever one, I had to have, like, a scope. And, they and like, I'm always, like, really, really afraid of, like, getting sick from anesthesia, because I always do. And they gave me whatever, I forget what it's called, but he was like, it's the same thing that Michael Jackson loved. I was like, that doesn't mean a whole lot to me, cool. and I'm concerned, because that man is dead. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, no, it was amazing go out completely and it's like you've had the loveliest nap and the only part that pissed me off was that they were like okay wake up i was like okay i did you know i'm alive yeah and they're like you can't just sleep i'm like why not i probably just paid a twenty five hundred dollar deductible to be here you can let me sleep for half an hour i've only ever been put out once and it was when i got my wisdom teeth out and yeah, they didn't even finish the sentence to explain. They were like, okay, you're going to feel a warm sensation in your eye. I was out. And yeah. then I woke up and I thought I had woken up mid extraction and I freaked out for a second, like a couple of seconds of like, oh no, do they know I'm awake? And then they're like, oh, we're done. Here's all your smashed up teeth in a container. Do you want <laughs> to keep, do you want, do you want to keep them? And I was like, 
fuck no what do some people <laughs> want them they're like i don't know some people want them as a keepsake it's like no throw them in the garbage i don't care yeah i've had a number of things removed i never want to take them home with me he's like i mean i guess some people might want to remember their give me that gallbladder i have a spot for it on my shelf next to my wisdom teeth yeah it's like, waiting for it my cattle bath is around on the floor for a little while it's great yeah i, I keep my appendix mounted on the wall to remember it's like all right. yeah just remember where you together. came from it's like no i'm just gonna go home and eat mashed potatoes for four days thank you yeah that is actually the best thing to eat for post man i've only ever had like two procedures but man that post recovery time when you have the most amazing excuse to not do stuff yeah that's, that's what it was like with a c-section i gotta say though mm. you're never you never get a break again sober yeah. My, uh, the last big thing I got when I got LASIK, um, mm. you know, my recovery was it? Oh, see, I was best. I mean, I good for did. you, but ooh. I, yeah. Um, well, my, my entire recovery was napping and I was like, okay, yeah, sign me up. You know, like I had to go, like my, my mother picked me up, they drove me home and I napped for the next 24 hours. And I was like, okay, great recovery. So that was good. This, this might be a TMI, but you know got snipped a few years ago and they even gave me a yeah. little pamphlet that was like uh yeah you can't do anything for a while and i was like look this piece of paper says i can't even lift the kids so i'll be upstairs I, uh, watching a movie no it's funny you say that because i'm actually looking into that my best friend just did that and i i called him i was like uh what are you doing he's like i'm playing video games I haven't played video games alone for, for, for 10 years. And he was just like, oh, great recovery then. I bought like, yep. a video game for my post-vasectomy recovery. I was like, look, there you go. there's never yeah. been a better time. Cause it even, it was like, you probably shouldn't even be walking up and down stairs. It's like, look, once I get upstairs, I think I need to stay up there for four days. I can't <laughs> leave. I'm sorry. That's what this pamphlet yeah. says. That I can't do and anything. Like, a doctor wrote this pamphlet. So at least I don't I know. I think that's fair. And that's a, that, that's something that's definitely in service of, of everyone involved yeah there was definitely a look thank you for your one of us is going down this route yeah agreed i'll do it we have one guy in the city who's now retiring who handles all of them so it's like just an assembly line of snips Mm -hmm. it's real weird oh sorry sorry go ahead nope i'm actually gonna stop right here because i've i've (laughs) i the tangents wow okay please proceed well, all right. So I have a question for you guys, if you don't mind. So you're you're having you're having a procedure done, and you wake up, and Doctor Giggles is standing over you, right? What is the one-liner that he mm. says? I'm trying to think if there's any he didn't cover in this movie, but I he feel does like cover, the, the, he does cover a the lot. The field of medicine was pretty like they did the take two and call me in the morning. They did the they did a golfing joke. Did I have a note about the golfing joke? I think that might have been my favorite one. The, trying to do what doctors do best. Trying to do what doctors do best, and then he grabs the golf club. Apparently not eight eight iron. I don't know. I don't know. I just think I've ever heard anyone refer to an eight iron. Um, but I don't know a lot about golf. I think that maybe he says we cut it close and then like holds up whatever he's just cut out of me. Ooh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, like I, I was thinking like, yeah, if it's a, if, if it was the vasectomy, it would just be like, I have a few more cuts to make. Yeah. That's all I can <laughs> think of. 
All right, I like this. Those are good. You're going to notice a vast deference when you wake up. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. That's why that's you're that. going to be in charge of the, the new giggle stuff. <laughs> that's, right why, there. that's why, uh, you know, she's Bram Stoker winner. <laughs> yeah, you can't We're toss awesome. out that yeah. kind of wordplay and not write another one. Yeah. I feel really <laughs> self-conscious every time I laugh on this episode because I'm like, am I giggling? Am I doing the Dr. Giggle? Are you, are you Dr. Giggling? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have no more notes, so I think we can probably do our our general general concluding opinions on Doctor Giggles, which I think across the board seems better than it had any right to be. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good sum up. Better than I it had it, any right to be. Like that should be on the Blu-ray. Better than it has any right to be. Yeah, is a good. Yeah. I feel a good sum up. Yeah. Like I was pitching it as a joke. Like this is gonna be the most bottom of the barrel trash we can ever do. Like, oh, we're gonna do a Doctor Giggles episode, and then I'm watching it. I'm like, God damn it, is this like actually good? <laughs> I know. Yeah, like, yeah, there's so many nuances when you talk, especially other horror horror movie buffs, where it's like, okay, is this bad, bad, good, bad, interesting, bad, or actually good? But people think it's bad. Like, there's so many caveats when you talk to other horror fans, and I feel like this is one of those things where it's like. You know, because my wife asked me, is this like really bad? And I was like, it's bad, but not the bad, bad that you would expect. There's actually some good surprises. There. Like, I can't ever just give a, yeah, it's bad. Like this one, yeah. better than it could have. Yeah, yeah, better than it should have been. Yeah, I, And I have a lot of notes about the practical effects because I, I was like, yeah. I kept being impressed by that. I loved the visual actually when he, I don't know if this was like a fear of everyone else. But like, for some reason, I feel like I got threatened with stomach pumps a lot. I don't think to be mean, maybe I was, I don't know. And maybe it wasn't even directed to me. Maybe it was like, the, it just came up like me. I don't know. And like, I don't know. It's, it was a concern of mine as a child that I was going to get my stomach pumped at some point. So that was like a nice, like visceral scare. And then when it's like just going into the bowl and it's, and then the blood mixes in, that was lovely. And that was amazing visuals. I was impressed with that. And I love the room. You have to go through the, the cop has to go through the waiting room where all of the cut open people oh, yeah. are laying there. Yeah. And like the, like the guys like holding the magazine and they've all just like, the, I mean, that was great. That's the kind of thing that like, especially like when you're younger and like you're first getting into this stuff and it feels like you're getting away with something when you see a scene like that, it's like, Oh shit. They completely delivered on that. No, you're absolutely right. It, it, especially because the, that he built all of that inside of like this derelict house and so it's like on the outside you see it as a haunted house yeah and it's in there and i feel like you know had they really tapped into the actual psychology of going to the doctor that would have kind of nailed that where it's like you just you know people see a doctor's office and for some people it is a haunted house it's just full of ghosts you know it's full of people dying and so the fact that he built it within a, a such a a, a a crummy place to look but that's supposed to be a pristine area that whole idea is awesome and i just like like you said i wish they had ran with that a lot more that kind of psychology yeah the i like what we got though yeah oh yeah, yeah like i think i gave it three and a half stars and i went in expecting a generous two maybe yeah so i mean the three and a half might have just been because i walked away like god damn that was so maybe if I revisit it, it'd be like, oh, okay, well, but 
in the moment it's like i can't believe like i went yeah my wife obviously didn't watch it with me but i was like i re-emerged i was like so dr giggles might be a good movie i'm so confused it's i feel like too like when when i compare it because i'm trying to think like time frame too and when i compare it to some of the stuff that i watch now that's like on shutter maybe and don't get me wrong i love shutter there's a lot of great stuff on shutter there's also a lot of shit on shutter and like i would definitely watch this over a lot a lot of the stuff that's more modern i would definitely watch this over that yeah yeah there is a there is a quality to and, and it might just be nostalgia for me but there is definitely a quality to these kind of films that were made it's almost like when you watch like those silly like you know 70s 80s exploitative quote unquote films where it's like no these movies were made for like drunk people to walk in and have a laugh at mm-hmm. and i feel like there is something cathartic in that especially I, I think with a lot of horror movies we're like no just it's just supposed to be silly it's about a doctor who giggles and the fact that they made a movie with that promises that and kind of adds a little more like with a lot of the uh, subversions um it's like okay uh, for me that's a success yeah, I agree. Agreed. I was actually we do looking it. up. Oh, sorry. Go oh, so no, because I'm going into the final stages oh, here. So sorry, I was just I was looking up 1992 films like horror movies. Uh, it was a good year for horror movies. The um, 90s catch is... an unnecessary amount of grief for horror, like oh, the 90s horror until Scream came and saved it. It's like no, there's some great stuff in like Event Horizon and In the Mouth yeah, of mean, Madness. Yeah, Scream, there's a lot Scream's, of good 90s stuff. Scream saved slashers. It did not save all horror movies. Like the same year, we got Candyman in 1992. Oh my god! Great gosh, movie. Great. Yes, one of the best. And Army of Darkness, Alien, Three. Um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, yeah, so many. It was a lot of good stuff. Um, I feel like every era of horror, though, like no matter what, you're going to find someone who probably there's probably an article written in the last week that they're like, oh, it's a weak time for horror. It's like, what are you talking about? There's always good horror. There's always it's good weird. horror. There's always bad. I don't know why we're always so focused on good and bad eras of it. Because I the also people feel like who write those articles don't like horror. Yeah, they're like, we, we're right. going to we're going to tap the person on our staff who hates horror and like one time watched something that they now i don't know yeah that it's it always starts with a look down the nose so i don't even read that shit no yeah no you're right and and i feel like they sometimes do it just you know for the clicks right like they'll give it to somebody who's gonna have a headline like that and it works yeah it it works because people get mad about it but it's just like no i mean if you know you know and it's yeah the daily Twitter discourse is always determined by whoever gets there first and jumps in yep. and says, like, I don't think any movie's been good since 1979. And then the rest of us have to go, oh, no. And then that's that. <laughs> yeah. That's Twitter for the day. Just as though it wasn't completely done for clicks and a flame war. And yeah. I've definitely been guilty of it in the past. But anymore, I'm just like, that's bait. Yeah, nope. yep. exactly. Yeah. can't can't there's not like you're gonna jump in and go like what about this movie and they're gonna go you're right my original yeah. thought was misguided and i apologize yeah the, the, the great twitter conspiracy is that people are there to have a conversation and that's just not true no that is not true yeah now look it's one not. time i did actually win an argument on twitter and i'm gonna live with that success literally you should have immediately life. deleted your twitter once that happened because yeah, keep that in your heart it doesn't get better <laughs> i needed to leave it for posterity though because so people would be like there's that chick that won an argument on Twitter. 
you're one right. of three people to do it. So yeah, hang on to that. I actually like in the conversation I was involved in, like it, I had jumped in on somebody arguing with a friend of mine. And when I'm like, I, I did the lead up. I was like, so we agree on this. Yes, of course. I was like, okay, then is this not the natural outreach of that? And he goes, you know what? I never considered it before. That's right. Okay. Thanks for the talk. Logging off now. Like That's I messaged awesome. my friend. I was like, did we just win an <laughs> argument on the internet? Was and this like, like the first week Twitter launched? Uh, <laughs> You know what? It feels like it would have had to be. It was definitely before the current management. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. So uh, we do a thing on the show. And I always explain that I don't remember the origins of it. We're at the end of an episode. We talk about something that we're currently enjoying. I believe the idea going all the way back to 248 episodes ago was that, you know, it's a nostalgia-based podcast looking back at things. So we're like, oh, we're going to, what's the new nostalgia oh, that you would oh. look back on? Like, you're currently enjoying the, I think that's what it was, but I also Very think meta. part of it was because, like, in the early days, it was a lot of stuff that, like, oh, this doesn't hold up great. Maybe let's bring a little positivity into this. What's something that you're Claim currently... the first one, though. Claim the first one. It sounds a lot deeper. Yeah, I think, I think that's what the idea was is like what is something in 10 years from now you might but really it's just kind of turned into recommending things and people sometimes will actually we've gotten word that someone will say oh i'm really loving dairy girls and then a few episodes later someone will go yeah i heard this person recommend that so i watched so so i i don't i don't have anything because we literally just did an episode about things we're currently enjoying And then I just recorded another episode yesterday. Oh, I mean, we watched the movie Air last night, and that was really good. Air? It's it's like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, and it's the true story of how Nike signed Michael Jordan. You know, obviously, you know the whole time, because they're like, oh, do you really want to bet it all on this rookie? And we all know, like, well, we saw Space Jam, so we know what Michael Jordan is capable of. And we obviously know Nike's going to be just fine. So it's not like there's suspense, but it just it's just good old fashioned filmmaking. Like it's just very well made and it leans very hard into being taking place in the 80s. And it's got like, you know, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Viola Davis and Jason Bateman and Chris Tucker and all these really good actors just being really good actors. And I'm glad you I'm glad you said that because I was actually going to watch that tonight. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Recommended. Your recommend your recommendation worked instantaneously. The episode's not even up, and bam, you're good. Laura, what about you? What do you got going? Um, like a lot of stuff. So I'm gonna just run through it really quick. I've I recently because like some for some reason Prime all of a sudden hopped up with a bunch of like new horror movies that are really good. Uh, so I watched Nope, which I fucking loved damn it nope is so good oh it's my so god damn good. it's so, so good. good i remember it's... i saw it with uh sam on you know frequent podcast guest and we left the movie and we were like that was so good it's like unfair like it's unfair to other yes. movies <laughs> it is a little yes it is unfair well and then i thought like i was like what do i watch next because you know anything else is gonna fall flat and then i saw that the new candy man the 2021 candy man was on and i was like uh, should I just watch the old one because I love that one? And then I watched it. I fucking love that too. I love absolutely the new amazing. Candy Man. Loved it. I thought it was a perfect sequel. Yes. And it, it didn't it it in no way interfered with the initial story. Nope. It was a fantastic extension of it. It had the same feel to it, the same soul, but with the incredible like 
and it, it and it does crack me up when I like I remember like people during this like oh it's all like woke I'm like you guys did not watch the first one yeah and it yeah. just it was the natural extension of that and it was just so good like it it, it was amazing it reminds me of uh, a just I mean I can't even describe if you ever do an episode on Candyman I would love to have that conversation we haven't because, actually done Candyman yet so. because that one and the and the new one I want to say remake it's not really it's technically a sequel. But the way the whole thing is about storytelling, right? So the fact that they made the first movie part of the backstory, like as the backstory legend of the new one, it was just brilliant. And it's, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely with you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So those I watched and absolutely loved. So I was, I've been on a good run on that. Um, and then books I've read lately, I just finished uh, Dangerous Slater's new one, House of Rot. that's coming out from Tenebris Press in June, I think. And if you are a millennial or millennial adjacent, holy hell, like it's, it's, it's bizarro, but I don't know if it's like fully under the bizarro headline. It's definitely horror, um, but it's so good. And it's, it's bleak, but it's really, really good. Um, That one is excellent. And I feel like there's, oh, and I read, it was a little bit ago, but I read um, a, an upcoming three novella collection of cryptid features called Ooh. confirmed sightings um and three uh authors wrote that it's bridget d brave um pl mcmillan and um uh ryan ryan ketterer and they um they asked me to write the intro for it uh because mouthman um and it's so good like i really 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 enjoyed it the first story is called a piazza for christmas it's a it is a a cryptid hallmark christmas romance and it's that's all you need to say right like that sells it off the bat and and the all all of the stories are great so anyways that confirmed sightings coming from like i think it's like salt heart press so yeah i have had a great time enjoying things recently and i just wanted to pass that on i will stop talking now (laughs) patrick what you got going uh tv wise i just watched possibly my favorite thing i've ever seen uh it's ted lasso on yeah. Apple Plus, yeah, we're big. Um, watch that. It's just such a uplifting. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's hard to describe. It's so unapologetically optimistic mm. and so funny um, that I've never seen anything like it. Um, most of the stories are based on a lot of conflicts, especially when it comes to sitcoms or like or these kind of shows are based off of conflicts between people, right? This show, I feel like, is always based off of resolutions. And oh, it is beautiful. I, um, I cry, like, every episode. I mean, it's just one of the best. Um, I don't, I cry on sad movies, but when the movies and TV shows do happy things, that really affects me. And this show, every episode is just like, how can we be better people toward each other? Like, that's the whole mission statement of the show. And uh, so I, I recommend that to everybody. Um, yeah. It's just wonderful. Seconded. It's very nice to have a show where all of the core characters like each other and the conflict isn't born out of classic sitcom. You did a thing then. Why didn't you come to my play? And now we're fighting. And that's the episode. And it's just yeah, nice. friends, aren't you? talking about friends i mean i'm talking well, about friends well, every I, single episode i love friends I every episode of that show is well that. i unapologetically love friends but yeah but that's the type of storytelling it is this yeah. one it's 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 more about 
Oh, you didn't come to my show. Why? Oh, well, I'm having problems with my father. Oh, let's talk about that. Let's talk. Yeah. like the conflict. It doesn't become conflict. It comes from a place of healing. And it's, it's really amazing. Uh, so I do recommend that to everybody. And then horror movie wise, actually, I was late on the game with this. And I'm so sorry I was. But uh, I watched Lake Mungo last week. Oh. Lake Mungo's that. Oh, guys, man. guys, I, I feel bad. I'm mad at myself. That uh, I think I got it confused with another bunch of places that take a bunch of movies that take place at a lake, and I thought it was something else. Finally, I watched it, and that movie is a magic trick. Yeah, uh, that's just brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant. I was pretty. I just watched it for the first time last year, so I'm not even that. I think it was like either a year or a year and a half ago for me, and I I did it. I inadvertently did it, probably the most effective way you can. I was staying in a cabin by myself. Oh. Um, I was watching it on my laptop and there was a, a window unit air conditioner. So I had my earbuds in it's dark and I definitely ate an edible. And so, oh, uh, God. how did you even purpose? make it? How did you even make it to the other side? I'm so, I, I'm so jealous. <laughs> it was like, and I wasn't like, I wasn't expecting it to be that much. Cause like initially it's like not that much. It's like, okay, like documentaries all fine, whatever. You know what I'm talking about? That one scene, like I like levitated off the couch, like and and then great follow up to it is that so like I'm you know I'm in this cabin by myself and I actually really like being by myself and I've never been like oh no I'm afraid to be by myself. But that night I was like God bless America, why did I do that to myself? So I go to bed and like I'm just about to fall asleep, and something brushes my lower back. Oh. And I'm like 99% certain it was like a moth or something that like came and like dive bombed me. But like, again, levitated out of the bed and like, even as hard as I was, I was like, well, that's not going to happen for a while. So yeah, great. experience. I I just couldn't believe how they pulled. I mean, I don't want to say anything. Yeah. People should watch Lake Mungo. People should watch it. They, the final shot of that movie, they, I felt like it was a magic. Like they pulled off something very rarely done in movies. And it was just incredible to me. And then the idea that, you know, you go in a suspecting a, a haunted house movie, but what you get, well, you get that, but you also get instead like this incredible family drama um, and, and just this amazing, just people drama about who you can trust and, you know, people's secret lives and things like that. Like I just it nailed it in every way. And I'm like, I'm mad at me for not, do it like watching this earlier um so yeah so so that horror movie wise that's i def i just been telling everybody who hasn't seen it yet do not sit on it yeah all right Re- reading wise uh, i haven't really um i have this little book sitting on my stand that I'm, I'm really it's somebody um every woman knows this i think it's called don't know. Oh it. God, that's crap. Yeah, I don't know. So bad. <laughs> but uh, I'm about to read. I'm about to start. Like that Mel Gibson it. movie? Is that? I don't know. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. It's the Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah. Someone wrote no, an I'm adaptation really... of that 23 years later. No, I'm really thing. excited you know, to. Uh, I'm really you could have been writing Doctor Giggles. <laughs> you should have been writing Doctor. <laughs> yeah, happens. I'm really, I'm really excited to dig into that because um, that that that's next on the list. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, and, I hope you like um, it, but we can be friends if you don't. Um, well, we'll see. No, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, and then I just I just finished um, a really great book. I did, I picked it out of a bookstore because I like just going in and picking them out. Apparently, it's required reading for a lot of people in in New Jersey, which I didn't. My wife told me that, 
I had never heard of it, but it's called um, uh, Chronicle of a Death Foretold. Um, it's a great uh, title. Great title. Um, apparently, it's required reading for, for high school kids, which I didn't know. I loved it. It was a very short book. It's only about 100 pages long. Incredible story about a, I think it's an island in the Caribbean. A murder happens. And everybody knew the murder was going to take place. The people who did the murder told everybody where they were going to do it. Uh, everybody from the mayor to the local priest to the person's mother knew it was going to happen 24 hours before it happened. And nobody did anything to stop it. Oh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I yeah every- your required reading. Yeah, he's he's popular, but um, it blew me away. So like the whole book is 25 years later, a guy goes back to write, how is this possible that this happened when everybody knew it was going to happen? And so it's kind of a deconstruction about, um, about communities and how people treat each other and religious conflict. And it's just basically about like, how, how is it possible that people just look the other way with this? And uh, I, highly, I highly recommend it. It's one of those things where like, even if it's required reading, this was enthralling. Um, so, and it's only hundred pages, so I do recommend that. So, okay. so those Very three cool. and I'm playing Zelda and that's, ba- that's basically us, what everyone yeah. else. And, yeah. Us too. <laughs> my, my daughter and I are running around Hyrule field for the last four days nonstop. So yeah. it's been, my wife and I are playing it together and our six-year-old likes the shrines cause she likes to watch us try and solve the puzzles. And she thinks it's funny when we can't figure it out. There yeah. was one earlier where I was like tying rockets to things and it kept going wrong and she was having the best time. Watching and you just me got fail madder and madder and yeah. <laughs> like just internalizing it, like mm-hmm, it's pretty funny. But like, if Breath of the Wild was any indication, in ten years they're going to still be talking about this game. I think. Yeah, I think yeah. I might be actually enjoying this one more. So same, same. Yeah, yeah a lot more to do. Yeah, and that's uh, it. We're probably going to go play that right now. Actually, we'll see. It's rainy and terrible here, so we haven't really been able to go. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's Dr. Giggles, uh, an episode longer than the movie itself, which is always what we strive for <laughs> around here. Laurel and I have pulled it off more than once. So I know. I feel like it's me. <laughs> hey, that's a it's a positive thing. It's like when uh, the Cliff Notes version is longer than the actual book. Exactly. Yeah. We There's want so much to dissect. Oh shit! I didn't even oh, know I it. If, if I hadn't seen you do this, I would have been like. You're right. Yeah. God damn it. Like you better just, start work like on that tonight. You. Yeah, I feel like you just <laughs> failed you, Laurel. I'm so sorry. Yeah, if I hadn't been staring at you, I would have just been like, she's you, right. You, that you really are. Dissect. You really I are cut above the rest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Nice. So stay tuned. Uh, obviously, go check the uh, the show notes for this episode for, for links to additional work by both of our guests here today. Uh, look forward to Laurel's uh, Dr. Giggles. I don't know if it's a direct novelization sequel or a compilation, but it's coming. I think we can pretty much state that factually right now. <laughs> uh, so if in a year's time it's not out, go to her website, send her an email, and be like, uh, what's up? Yeah. Oh, the Dr. Giggle heads. That's probably what they're called. The hardcore. The gigglers. The gigglers. The, gig- the gigglers. I'll put a blurb on the on the on the front of the book that says better than it should have been. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> better than That's it had any right to be. Sorted. All right. <laughs> I, mean, write, itself. I will write the foreword for that book, and it'll just be me going, I can't believe she fucking did it. <laughs> this is the ultimate. She called my bluff call. again. Like, like, 
never in the history of bluff calls will there be a bigger one than this. It's yeah. like, in spite, I went and got the rights to continue the Dr. Giggles <laughs> franchise, paid $10,000, and now but I can so do whatever I'll, I want. Don't worry, I'll make it back in royalties at some point after I'm dead. Maybe. Maybe. We'll have to see how this Blu-ray sold. Yeah, I'm going to look at mm. it. Uh, thank you, Laurel. Thank you, Patrick, for spending a good chunk of your Saturday here talking about Dr. Giggles. Um, oh, someone has to take us out with that. We end every episode with the guest has to take us out with a classic quote from Dr. Giggles. Is there a classic quote from Dr. Giggles we haven't already covered? Mm-hmm. I can go with them. Um... Hey, here's my mom's laundry I snagged before she went on a trip with my dad. I'd like you to wear it. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> we didn't get to that because that was so creepy. I forgot about that too. Obviously, yeah. I was paraphrasing just a bit, but I'll leave Barely. you with that. Leave All you right. with that. That's our closer. Good night, everybody. Good night.